Welcome to Recovery Mic Drop, where we're dropping the mic on addiction and recovery. We are two women who have been through the highs and lows of addiction and have came out on the other side with a wealth of experience, strength, and hope. We are here to share our stories along with those of other amazing people in recovery and offer a fresh perspective on what it means to live a sober life. So grab a seat, turn up the volume, and get ready for some raw, unfiltered, and inspiring conversation. Trigger warning, we will be discussing uncomfortable topics and using strong language without hesitation. Hi, I'm Heather. I'm Bridget. Hey, Heather. How insane were you in active addiction? Well, there's a lot of stories that I can't tell on here, but um, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around like the crazy person that I used to be and the things I used to do. Of course, I was selfish, self-centered. I was a liar. I was a thief. But, you know, my ego told me I was the shit. So I thought I was just doing what you do. So I've got a couple funny examples. Um, One time I got hired by this law firm in Pittsburgh. I'm not a lawyer, but I got hired to do um, some work as a landman. They were heading up their own department and I got the job. You know, I went up there. I was staying with um, someone I didn't even know, but we had a mutual friend. But I couldn't stop using (laughs) Even for a day, I couldn't make it to work on time. I'm sure I thought I was maintaining, but I imagine I was a hot mess. I mean, I was fired in three days. On day three, they fired me. And I remember sitting across from the attorney that hired me. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna have to let you go. And I'm like, are you sure? And, you know, he's like, you're gonna have to hand in your security clearance and leave the building. Oh, man. And then there's, you know... uh, I, I would owe a lot of money in certain neighborhoods when I lived in Brooklyn, and I would still go there to get what I needed to get just down the block from the people I owed money to. Just crazy. I would, uh, yeah, just do a lot of stuff that I'm not proud of. And that was just totally, I didn't care about my life or anyone else. So I was just running and doing this insane stuff. You know, my car got impounded at Port Authority, and I didn't have enough to get it out because I had to buy dope, but I had enough (laughs) to get a rental car. So we got the rental car. Then, of course, we couldn't keep paying that. They ended up (laughs) coming towing away the rental car with all of our stuff inside of it. Just, I ended up having to leave my car at Port Authority because I could never get it out. Just uh, crazy stuff like that. Um, You know, I couldn't stop using And, you know, we talk about insanity in this step, but it's like you can't see it when you're in it. Um, And those are the lighter stories. So you can imagine how tragic it gets. Those are the funny ones. And they're not really that funny. So what about you? I was the insanest. And if that isn't a word, I just made it a word. (laughs) Because, I mean, my addiction led me to I tried escaping from jail. I remember getting sentenced on a misdemeanor, six months flat on a misdemeanor. And I was like, I am not staying here because I couldn't fathom going one day without using. You know, there was there was nothing else that was making it more awful for me than I would not be able to use. I would not be able to feed my addiction. It was scary because I was empty inside and how I felt about myself, like I've said before, is everything, all the outside sources that I was feeding myself, you know, the boyfriend, the fake friends, let's say, you know, the drugs, it was all feeding me. And making me feel good. So, yeah, I tried to escape from jail and caught two felonies over it. I mean, what was I going to do if I actually escaped? You know what I mean? Like my that part of my brain didn't work at the time. Like when I look back at it now, I'm like, what in the hell were you doing? 
Like, I just can't even picture that I would do something like that. And then there was a time that I overdosed on accident. And I said that right on accident because my first time ever getting arrested, I had drugs on me. They didn't find them. They found something, obviously, because I got arrested. But I had much more on me and I didn't know how jail processing worked. So on the way to the jail, I swallowed all these drugs (laughs) and ended up waking up in the hospital. And I remember there was a cop and a nurse standing there like, are you done? Are you still going to live this way. Look what you're doing to yourself. And as soon as I got out, got in the parking lot, I, you know, went to go get high. And I remember a couple of days after that, my ex-boyfriend was in prison and he called me because he heard about it and was like, what are you doing? You literally are going down the exact same path that I went down. You're going to end up exactly where I'm at. Yeah. And I was like, I'm nothing like you. <laughs> I have it under control. You don't, you don't know my life, what I'm doing. But, you know, I was ending up exactly where he was at. And it just, it blows my mind. But the, like you said, you can't recognize the insanity when you're in it. No. But I would provoke situations that would harm me and others. Like, I am so grateful that I'm here because I was just insane, you know? I would stay in toxic relationships, you know, physical toxic relationships. And I felt like they loved me. Yeah. You know, that toxicity and like the dramatic Whatever the hell right. that is, I thought that was love. Yeah. You know, and it's not, it's insanity. The all or nothing, the craziness of it, it seemed, it wasn't real, but it was dramatic and it seemed real. So today we are talking about step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. This step means hope, and that is the spiritual principle behind it. But like, I remember feeling the hope when I began to work this step. So, you know, step one, Now we know what's wrong with us, okay? Step two, you mean there's something I can do about it or there's something that I can open my mind up that will help me do something about it because we can't do it on our own. Um, So this step opens our mind to the possibility of change so that we can accept help from a higher power. The spiritual principle behind step two is hope and this means having the feeling that what is wanted can be had. This step is about hope, humility, and open-mindedness. Humility, I have to be humble enough to ask for help and humble enough to accept it. And in this step, we realize we cannot do this alone. Yeah, that's really true. I like everything that you just said, and I relate to all of it. And I really wanted to break down. I just made it up. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to break down what insanity really means. And it's just doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and expecting a different result. It's behaviors or thought patterns that are irrational, illogical, or out of touch with reality. And how do you recognize the insanity? I honestly can't tell you because I couldn't recognize the insanity. You know, when I was in it, I couldn't. You know what I mean? I couldn't see it. But if you have the willingness, maybe the gift of desperation, you know, you can evaluate your life and the decisions you make and what consequences fall behind. How often are you making the harmful decisions and become self-aware and start asking yourself questions each day and obviously asking for help. Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) So what about hope, Bridget? Explain that to me. Hope is a beacon of light that guides you through the darkest moments. It empowers you to face challenges, embrace healing, and create a future filled with purpose, joy, and fulfillment. It is a feeling of trust and belief in change that can bring about resilience and strength to get through hard times. Hope is essential in recovery and needed for change. We lived in darkness and didn't know anything else, which causes most of us to feel hopeless and cynical. So having that belief that something greater is in the future 
future and possible for you can push you through because there is greater life for you on the other side. I will say in this instance, the grass is greener on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I didn't even, I wasn't able to identify hope when I started to feel it. I didn't know what the hell it was. I'm like, I feel a little lighter, a little different. I'm not sure what it is, but it was hope, you know, and now I can see what it was. And that's insane though, to be 37 years old and not be able to identify what hope feels like. That's awful. I don't think I ever experienced it either. It was always kind of just, it is what it is mindset. Yeah. And it was a very negative yeah. mindset. Yeah. I used to think that we were just, you know, a speck of dust on a speck of dust and nothing we ever did really mattered, which gave me a license to be a total shitbag. <laughs> <laughs> which is why I used it. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, we want to say don't freak out when we say the G word, and I'm talking about God because this is a spiritual program, not a religious one. That's important because I know that some people struggle with this step because they think their higher power must be God of a specific religion, and that's not what we're talking about here. Um, your higher power is anything you believe in, the universe, nature, love, humanity, or the 12-step program itself. Let go of your preconceived notions and be willing to explore your own spirituality. Your higher power is anything you believe in that gives you hope, strength, and support. You can use the fellowship to find a new understanding of God. When I came into treatment and was trying to get sober, and I w- like I said, I've always believed in God, but I also put God and religion into a box. And then I realized they're two completely different things, you know, and I'm not knocking religion because that works for some people. But for me, I just had resentments, you know, and I didn't know what I believed, but I was basing God on other people's beliefs and perception of God, which was harming me and harming myself and my relationship with God. Yeah, we're the only ones who put the limitations on our beliefs or our understanding of the higher power. So that's why open-mindedness is so freaking important. And what is open-mindedness? Tell us, Bridget. Sure thing. (laughs) Allowing ourselves to contemplate new ways of thinking and behaving that can unlock rigid patterns that didn't serve us well. Suspending judgment and setting aside preconceived notions and biases. By embracing open-mindedness, you can enhance your recovery journey, build healthier relationships, and develop a more nuanced understanding of yourself and others. I like that. There are so many parts at play here, but man, open-mindedness is key because if I can't open myself up to a different way of living, then I'm kind of already shutting myself down. You know, it's so important and it's, it really does make anything possible. Yeah, it does. And I remember my sponsor also giving me the character defect of closed mindedness (laughs) and I could not believe it. I was like, she sucks at her little. She doesn't know anything. Yeah. Yeah, because I, for some reason, I thought I was open-minded, but really I wasn't because as I explained open-mindedness, I talked about, you know, suspending the judgment and the biases and the preconceived mm-hmm. notions, but no, I was holding on to that stuff and judging everything, judging other people's perception. I mean, the judgment didn't stop when all it was doing was closing me off and I was being closed-minded, which was harming me mm-hmm. and nobody else. Because it's scary. It's uncomfortable. You don't know, you don't really know what's going to happen, but if you believe in the hope, then you know something good is coming. You just have to, you have to be open to it. And it's really, it's really that simple. So now we're going to talk about how you can work on being open-minded. Suspending judgment, temporarily setting aside personal biases and judgments to genuinely listen and understand different perspectives. It involves recognizing that everyone has unique experiences and viewpoints and valuing the diversity of ideas and opinions. 
Willingness to learn, being receptive to learning new information and acquiring knowledge. It involves seeking out opportunities for personal growth, actively engaging in self-reflection, and being open to expanding your understanding of addiction, recovery, and related topics. Exploring new approaches and strategies to address challenges in recovery. It means being willing to consider alternative methods, therapies, or tools that may be beneficial, even if they differ from your initial experience. And embracing change, adapting to new circumstances, being flexible and open to adjusting your thoughts, behaviors, and attitudes as you progress in your recovery journey. Cultivating empathy and understanding towards others who may have different experiences or perspectives than you. Actively listening, seeking to understand others. Questioning assumptions, including your own. It involves changing long-held beliefs and examining their validity. By questioning assumptions, you can broaden your perspective and discover new insights. Yeah. So that sounds good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's a lot easier to say than it is to do, but uh, once you do it, once you like you know are able to open your mind, things just kind of start to fall into place. At least that was my experience. I completely agree. Yeah. So some things you might experience or run into when you're working step two. So first of all, we need help. We cannot do this alone. And once you accept that, then it makes it a lot easier to continue. Um, no human power can relieve us of our suffering. Can you say that a little louder for the people in the back? No human power <laughs> can relieve us of our suffering, just in case you were wondering. Opening our minds to a higher power increases our hope and motivates us to change and heal. And letting go of the ego allows us to accept help and guidance from a higher power and can reduce our stress and anxiety. It's almost like you you know, everything's crazy. You don't know who you are, what you're doing or what you're feeling. But you're like, okay, I got a little bit of comfort because it's not just me on my own. I got someone backing me up trying to help me. And it really is that simple. And when we accept that a higher power loves us unconditionally, we can start to heal from shame and guilt, which can enhance our self-esteem and our self-worth. By exploring our spiritualities, we can experience joy, gratitude, peace, and love. Then we can connect to people who share our values and support us in our recovery. And by working step two and breaking down the insanity of addiction, one can start to experience sanity in recovery by having a realistic and healthy view of oneself and one's situation. And it is absolutely beautiful. It is. I like when you said when you start to experience sanity in recovery, you start having a realistic and healthy view of yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, in your situations. Because... Just the other day, my mom messaged me and was letting me know how proud she was of me. And, you know, she's like, when you believe in something or you feel strongly about something, you stick with it and you stand up for it and your beliefs. She said, but honestly, in your addiction, that was scary and it wasn't a good thing, you know, because Mm -hmm. you thought you had it under control. You know, you there was no talking you out of it because I I was closed minded and I and I am. Aside from addiction, I'm a self-righteous person. You know, I feel like what I believe is right. It's hard for me to be influenced by outside things. It has to be my own experience and my own journey. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's um, why I have worked on open-mindedness, you know, and that's why my relationship with God has changed, you know, because in the beginning, for instance, I didn't believe in Jesus. And today I do. And it's what, you know, three years. Yeah. It's, It's a difference. As I work on being more open-minded, I get to ask myself questions. I get to evaluate my life, and I get to let new ideas and new beliefs in. When before, that was not a thing. You know, I couldn't stand to hear the word Jesus. I couldn't stand anybody talking about their religion because guess what? I was holding on to my 
preconceived, Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, my biases and all it was doing was affecting me. So now I'm able to work against that and open my mind up to more and it's allowing more blessings to come into my life. Yeah. And that's really what happens when we start to become open-minded. And when you were talking about the insanity and how you're like, it wasn't a good thing, how, you know, how, how strong you were in your beliefs. It just made me think of like, in my insanity, I was, I was scary. You know, it was scary to be around me. I was, I was angry, but also like, if you got in the way of what I was trying to do, you know, I would lash out at you. And um, I harmed a lot of people that were just trying to, to help because I had no control over the action I was taking, over what I was doing. I didn't care about the consequences. I didn't care about who I hurt because I didn't have time to stop and think about that. And that was the insanity that I was living. And, you know, open-mindedness, I didn't even know what that was because I would claim to be open-minded and accepting of all people. But I was judgmental and I was angry and I was miserable and I didn't understand any other way to be. This delusion was crazy. I thought because I did drugs or whatever mm-hmm. that I was open-minded and everybody else who yeah. lived a normal life and did everything they were supposed to were closed-minded, you yeah. know? Yeah. But something you said reminded me of Brandon Novak's lead. It's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You should really go listen to it. It's freaking amazing. I remember watching it when I was in treatment. Yeah, yeah it's so good. But in it, he talks about, you know, all the things that he did for the next one. And if anybody stood in his way, it didn't matter. He was getting the next one. He said the only thing that he didn't do um, was homicide because it didn't present itself. You're right. I was like, oh my gosh. But that's true though. You know, we talked about last episode, every time you draw a line in the sand, you cross it. I just hadn't got to some of those lines in the sand. You know what I mean? But I was gradually working my way through them. And that's the insanity. Being a shell of the person you really are. So what was your own experience with step two? Well, I mentioned before that I don't think I had ever truly felt hope like I felt when I worked step two, because understanding what was wrong with me was a big deal. But then having someone tell me that there's hope, there's something you can do. If you are willing to have faith and open your mind to a higher power, someone can help you. But you know, my pain made me teachable. And that is, I love that saying because it's it's so true for me. I was in so much pain that I was willing to open my mind up to anything if you told me it was going to make me feel better. So, you know, I was broken enough to try and I prayed because people suggested that I pray. And at this point, I was taking suggestions because I didn't know what to do and nothing I did ever worked. So, you know, I started to pray and I started um, writing my prayers in a journal. And I found that that helped because I know our brain processes things differently when we write them, which is why we write our step work to begin with. So I didn't really have a conception, but I was willing to let go of old ideas. And that was the beginning. You know, I started to feel a little different. And like I said, it was hope. I just didn't recognize it. And, you know, as I worked the steps and as I changed, my perception changed. But um, it's only just grown and gotten better. I don't know. This step is a big deal, but I didn't really recognize it when I was in it. I was told to make a list of positive attributes that I would like in a higher power. And that really, I really just kept it that simple, you know, love, understanding, forgiveness, you know, that it's that simple. It really is. And if I try to like muddle it up and complicate it, it just causes harm. 
So, the, and then, like I said before, the reality or, or being able to accept that I wasn't alone. So now I'm here, I'm in treatment, you know, I'm starting to work steps with a sponsor and I'm understanding that I'm not alone in this. And that is huge because I had been alone and miserable for so long. I was never opening up to anybody in any good type of way, you know, and I didn't care about anybody because I didn't know how, you know, so this step is a big deal. It's a hope and realizing that I wasn't alone because we say we, but in the beginning, it was hard to wrap my mind around that word because I still thought, you know, I got here on my own. I'll leave her on my own. I'll die on my own <laughs> because we're that close. So we, we stick to that stuff. But in reality... I was open enough to understand that I needed help and that I wasn't alone. And I finally was able to accept it. I remember when I was going into treatment, my dad took me and he had previously went through the same facility and he was like, just to warn you, don't get weirded out. Everybody's going to say that they love you. (laughs) And it's just funny that we have, he had to say that to me. You know what I mean? Because I was so closed off and I did, I thought, you know, for one, I thought it was all about me. I didn't think anybody cared, you know, and I struggled with step two a lot because I felt like I wasn't worth saving, Mm -hmm. that I wasn't, there was no hope for me. I thought that I was just supposed to be this junkie, supposed to be this piece of shit, you know, and supposed to be miserable all my life. Like I just thought this, it was what it was. You know, what, what captured hope for me when working step two was thinking of how you know, I was relying on a substance to be my higher power to get me through. But, you know, I was like, well, I can rely on something else. I don't need the substance. And that's what started it for me. You know, started starting the hope that what if, what if this happens? What if this works? What if I have the life that I want to live, the peace, the serenity, you know, having a family one day, being able to actually enjoy things in life because I didn't enjoy anything, you know, and that's, that's something where I didn't have the gift of desperation. That's stuff I have to go back to because I traveled the country right after high school. And I didn't enjoy any any of it. I can't even remember most of it yeah. because I constantly wanted to be somewhere else. And that's miserable, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so it was the what if for me, like what if something magical happens and guess what? A miracle happens. And it really is, it really looking back, it does seem like magic. You know, it's insane. Um, I still have to pinch myself. Yeah. So when working step two today, basically I just have to keep that conscious contact with God. It's it's hard sometimes, which is weird because it's it's really life is so much easier once I do that. And then on on bad days, you know, I have to remember that there is something else that can relieve me of the stress or worry or whatever it is in life that's going on. And I really play this in my head all the time. It's out of the big book. And it says, when God gives me what I need rather than what I want, I invariably find it's what I wanted all the time. And that's been a constant in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, when I'm struggling, when I'm feeling down, whatever's going on, any little inconvenience that happens, it always works out in my favor. And I have to remind myself that because sometimes I'm like, God, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, I'm struggling right now. Where are you? I just have to be patient and have hope and trust that God's going to work it out. And, you know, I just let go and go on from there. Yeah, and it really is that simple. I have to remember that if God can pull me out of the hell that I was in and restore me to as sane as I'm ever going to get, that uh, he can move mountains. You know, so when I'm struggling or losing a little bit of hope or a little bit of faith, I just have to remind myself of where I came from and how 
it wasn't my doing. It was help of a higher power. And then, I, and that helps me to trust that higher power's guidance today. Yeah. And I like to think I did this. I got here. Oh, yeah. Look what I did. I didn't do shit. I just made my life a mess. Yes. Sometimes I get awkward when people are like, you know, I'm so proud of you. You're doing so good. I'm like, I I don't even know how. Yeah, I don't know how I got here, what we're talking about, (laughs) what's going on. So if you find yourself struggling with step two or feeling overwhelmed or struggling with hope or the insanity of your addiction, know that you're not alone. Recovery is a journey and it's okay to take it one step at a time. Have faith in your own resilience and be open to new perspectives and trust that the path to healing is within your reach. We're here with you sharing our experiences and offering support every step of the way. Yeah, so you are not alone on this journey. We cannot say that enough. There are many people who have been where you are and have found hope and healing through their own higher power. All you have to do at this point is keep an open mind. You don't have to have all the answers right now. You don't have to define or name your higher power. Just be willing to explore your own spirituality. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain by working step two, hope, strength, and guidance. You are a valuable and worthy person who deserves happiness. Even if you don't believe that right now, your higher power does. We'll love you until you can love yourself. That's right. And the whole purpose of us being here is to share our stories and experience to help the next person and hopefully relate to one another. So if you're listening and found this helpful, please rate the podcast, even if it wasn't helpful in the most awful thing that you've ever heard. Let us know. And we get it. (laughs) We're here to serve you and want to make this an amazing experience for all of us. So we'll take the constructive criticism. Yeah. I mean, hurt our feelings. It's fun. (laughs) We're tough. Absolutely. And you can send us your stories, your sobriety milestones, your before and after pictures, so we can celebrate together and share some inspiration. Yeah, we really want to hear from you guys. So you can email us at recoverymicdrop at gmail.com. And if you like us, you can go join our Facebook page at Recovery Mic Drop. Even if you don't like us, please come on over. We'll be there. See you later. Bye. (laughs)